Welcome to my office hours. I'm your host, Lisa Romig. Will you be found without excuse? Join me today in my three-part series entitled Without Excuse. Welcome back. We're going to start part two of Without Excuse. We ended the last lesson with David dancing in the streets with his linen ephod and that he had taken off his priestly, or excuse me, his kingly garments and was now wearing the priestly garments or servant garments. I'm going to go ahead and contrast what we see with, uh, in this particular lesson, something that we see in 2 Samuel 6, another character with uh, David named Michael. And if any of you have um, studied scripture, you know that Michael is the daughter of Saul, and she was given to David as a wife, his first wife. And then, of course, we have her being uh, given to another man later on. And then when David becomes king, he takes her back as his wife. So again, she was promised in a covenant relationship to him. And so we see her back in the scene as David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into the city of Jerusalem or into the city of Jerusalem. Now, make no mistake how scripture is written. I want you to understand that you see, as we talked about in the last section, that you saw Yuza, even though he didn't understand the, the Ark of the Covenant and the laws and that, he touched it out of ignorance and ended up having the consequences of sin. Um, and so he died because of that. What you're going to see here now with Michael is you're going to see the consequences of sin against her husband, um, David, but you're going to see a different Instead of ignorance, you're going to see arrogance. And I want to make sure you completely understand that, um, that this one is a little different. So again, David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord, was shouting with the sound of the horn of the shofar, and there's great dancing in the streets, much like what we would have after a celebration of a football game, Super Bowl, that sort of thing, all the things that we do in this culture specifically to celebrate um, when our team wins or take into the streets just to celebrate as well. And so we see um, the Ark of the Covenants came into the city, and I am in 2 Samuel 6, verse 16. And when it came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. I want to point out that word despised, okay? Despised is a very interesting word. If you look it up in the Hebrew, it actually means uh, to disrespect. And just so you understand, wives are supposed to respect their husbands. They're supposed to respect them. She disrespected. And what does that mean? It's the same type of relationship that Esau had with his birthright. So if you remember back um, to the story of Jacob and Esau, Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of stew or soup. Um, if you live in Texas, we'd say chili. Um, he sold his whole entire inheritance with all inside of it for a bowl of soup. He disrespected the birthright that was set before him. That's what you're seeing with Michael. She looked at David, who was celebrating before the Lord, not wearing his kingly garments, but wearing priestly garments. And she 
disrespect them. Now, as I always talk about Hebrew, Hebrew is very pictorial. I always love to get down to what it meant literally. For example, when we talk about the anger of the Lord, it literally means flare of nostrils. When you get into this despising or disrespect, it means literally to trample under your feet, much like um, just the dirt and all of that. It would be that type of uh, something so disrespectful, you just walk over it. Okay. So after the celebration and the blessing of the people by David, David returned to his home. So I want you to understand what sort of king David was. When the ark came, he gave the burnt offerings and the peace offerings. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord of the hosts and distributed among all the Israelites that were there, both men and women, which is very important to note. He honored men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, a cake of raisins to each one. And then all of them departed each to their own house. And David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, she couldn't even wait for him to get in the house. How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as well as the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Basically, a lot of words there. Basically, you have dishonored yourself before me. And not only that, you dishonored yourself in front of the female servants. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father, which would have been Saul, and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. And I love this, verse 22. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this. If you, um, by chance, have an opportunity to hear a song written by our friends at Hillsong in Australia, there is a song that's called Undignified that they like to sing, and it's based on these scriptures. But use that word that I think is even better. I will make myself even more undignified. That's why I don't think David was dancing in his underwear, because he undignified himself. I don't think I don't think the dancing in the underwear would have led to this, but I do see him wearing servant's clothes. And so stepping out of the kingly role, even though he should have been dressed like that, but serving his people as a servant. And I will be abased in your eyes. That's what he says. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And then it says, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. Years ago, I thought that her specific consequence of this was that she was childless, that the Lord did not bless her with children. <clears throat> and quite honestly, it may be that David no longer visited her. Either of those, I think, could be appropriate for this. But I also want you to understand she was very arrogant towards him and the way that she directed her accusations at him. She did not like that he had taken his kingly role off and was acting as a servant. Now, when you get into the Hebrew word for arrogance, it means proud or haughty. And this word describes an attitude of pride in a person. And this is what the Lord will judge. Humility and humbleness is the opposite attitude that is preferred to by God. So within this one chapter, I want you to understand what you have just unpacking it in 2 Samuel 6. You have covenant. You have covenant of marriage, which is represented by Michael and also David. You also have the Ark of the Covenant, which is representative of the Lord with the nation of Israel. He, The Lord would not allow the nation of Israel to disrespect him. 
the same way you see Michael disrespecting David. And both of those had consequences. One was done in ignorance and one was done in arrogance. Now, I also want to point out that um, as we talked about in the last episode of how God has no excuses, these are done without excuse. You have no excuse whether ignorance or arrogance, both of them can lead to sin and that is without excuse. So what's the proper way that we come over ignorance or arrogance? And that is both by education and also seeking the Lord. I love this. Um, if you want to dig a little deeper into this, Proverbs 16, 5 tells us that everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go or her will not go unpunished. So, I want you to understand David. David also said that before the Lord, who chose me above Saul and above all of the rest of Israel, appointed me chief or prince over Israel, and I will celebrate before the people. And I just want you to kind of wrap your head around this. He realized he was chosen. And again, why he was chosen, kind of outside of his reach, but he had definitely what you can say is one of those things that a heart that was thankful and grateful for that opportunity. And so he celebrated in the streets. If you want to look at David's heart, you can see a couple of things about him. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit. In 1 Samuel 13, 14, it says, But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought a man after his own heart. So he's talking to Saul. Your kingdom will not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, which would be David. And the Lord has commanded him to be a prince over his people because you, Saul, have not kept what the Lord has commanded you. Acts 13, 22 says, And when he had removed Saul, he raised up David to be Israel's king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. And then, of course, in 2 Samuel 7, we continue to see David's heart. And I love this because Dan, uh, David does something that I think is so beautiful in these scriptures. And they're lost on us sometimes because as we read scriptures, especially in our busy day, we don't really take the time to slow down and understand what's going on. But I think this is one of these ones where we should slow down and see the beauty of this. As we take the time to slow down and really understand scripture, I think you will see the benefit of this in 2 Samuel 7. Now, when the king, that would be David, lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies, Israel was at peace. They were no longer fighting their enemies. The king said to Nathan the prophet, prophet See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant dwells in the tent. So Nathan the prophet is the one he would have sought the Lord with to receive an answer. And Nathan said to the king, Go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. All right. So again, Nathan has sought the Lord. He said, the Lord is with you. But that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. And he's, the Lord told him, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. Just so you understand, the Lord God Almighty 
lives in the thrones of heaven, just so you understand. But this is among his people um, where he is represented in and present. So I want you to understand this is talking about something else. His presence was there, but it's not that God was without a home. So again, I brought the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I've been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all the places where I've been moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel? The judges came before the kings as leaders, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, if you didn't know this, David was a shepherd, from following the sheep, that you should be a prince or a chief over my people of Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies before you. Now, this is the Lord's promise to David. We call this the Davidic covenant. And I will make for you a great name like the names of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and plant them so that they will dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no former as formerly. So the nation of Israel will be planted according to the Lord's promise to David. From the time that I appointed judges over my people of Israel, they have been afflicted by violent men. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. So here is David inquiring about the to the Lord whether he can build him a permanent structure. No longer in a tent can the Ark of the Covenant be in a permanent building with walls. And the Lord came back and said, tell you what. Before I answer that, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to build you a house. He goes on. The Lord says, when your days are fulfilled, which means when you are done and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. You shall cut that shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And when he commits a sin or iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love, this is a reference to covenant, will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. So Saul did not have any heirs to the throne. When the kingdom was taken from Saul, there was no one um, left to receive the kingdom. Even though one of Saul's son did live on for a while, he did not have the full kingdom. The kingdom was given to David by God. And so that's what you see here. And again, the Davidic covenant is really listed in 2 Samuel seven sixteen. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Well, let's talk about this. So we know with David's heart that um, he didn't live forever, that according to what we see in 12, your days are fulfilled. So how is that throne going to be established forever? If you follow the lineage of Christ, you will find that in both Mary and in Joseph's lineage, they both come back to David or the tribe of Judah. And you will see in those lineages um, that Christ, who will be king on the throne forever, is in their lineage. This is a reference to the coming of the Messiah being from David's lineage. So David's kingdom will be forever, which will lead us eventually to the Messiah. Um, and so, again, this is a beautiful testimony of who David is and also David's heart. 
And we see the humbleness here. I just want to point out what David says in response to this. You know, I love this, that David says after this, Who am I, O Lord, and what is my house, that you have brought me thus this far? And again, this is the knowledge that I want you to understand. The Lord is looking for the humbleness of heart. So what we have in Scripture, and you've seen coming up to this, you've seen ignorance lead to sin, you've seen arrogance lead to sin, but then you see the characteristic that God himself values in his servants, and that is a humbleness of heart. Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know. I love this because this is what David says about God. Therefore, Lord, you are great, for there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. That is a declaration. And last time when I read to you First Romans, which is a scripture that we uh, constantly go back to and talk about, I want to just point out what it says in there about there being no excuse. And what you see in today's culture with a lot of people is we make excuses for everything. And just so you understand, in Romans 1.18, it says the wrath of God, and I'll be very clear, the judgment of God is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth or the knowledge of God. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly understood ever since the creation of the world and the things that have made that have been made. So they, these men, are without excuse. And I love this. Let's go to verse 21. For although these men knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Really quick, I want you, if you ever want to understand what God wants from you and what's going on in your life, verse 21 is the key. Honor him and give thanks to him. And that's what you see right here with David specifically saying to Lord, therefore you are great. There is none like you. There is no God beside you according to all that we have heard with your ears. And so you see the graciousness of God going towards David and you see David's humbled heart and gratitude coming back from him to God. So this, again, is honoring of covenant. And we see this here. But again, it's in these chapters put in here with arrogance and ignorance and covenant. And then you see his heart. And they're all kind of wrapped together so that you have an understanding that you are without excuse. I don't care what Facebook says. I don't care what... Um, you know, your friends post. I just want you to understand on social media that according to the word of God, you are without excuse. He will judge you at some point in your life. The question is, is what is your heart condition and how will he find you? Will you be grateful or will you be arrogant? What is it that he is going to find? Now, also, um, there's another little side note to all of these scripture, which I think is just beautiful. And that is in uh, 2 Samuel 9. And if you are following with me along and you want to open up 2 Samuel 9, that's great. But I want you to just see David's heart. Now, again, David has just been blessed by God. He has just found out at this point in his time 
that God is going to allow his covenant with him to go on forever. It's called the Davidic covenant so that he will always have an heir on the throne. So for the nation of Israel and governing of Israel, there will always be, uh, David will always be on the throne or an heir of David, I'm sorry. And then what you see in 2 Samuel 9, and again, these divisions are put in by scholars in that. This is not the way it was written originally. It would have just been flow of thought when they were writing this. So what you see in 2 Samuel 9, David says, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Jonathan and David had a covenant relationship. And we've talked about covenant a little bit with, um, of course, what we get into with um, the Ark of the Covenant with the nation of Israel and also in marriage. And you see here David honoring the covenant that he had with Jonathan by looking for someone to bless. And it goes on in these scriptures because what happens is, is David finds a lowly person in Jonathan's line, a son named Mephibosheth. And some of you might remember who Mephibosheth was. Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan who was injured when Saul was killed in battle and also his father, Jonathan. Um, he was, a maid picked him up and they fled the house and she fell with him and it made him lame in both of his feet. So when they find Mephibosheth, he is crippled um, in both his feet. And of course, he is in the province of Lodibar. And what you see here is that David allows Mephibosheth to come to his table and to always dine with him. Now, again, I want you to see the contrast here because scripture is often written in contrast. You see the Lord thy God giving to David his house and the kingdom forever. And you see David not missing a beat, wanting to bless his relationship and his covenant with Jonathan. He restores to Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, all of the land of Saul. Now, I want to point this out. David did not have to do that being king. But he did that because of who Jonathan was in his life and also because as God had been gracious, he was gracious. He had a heart after his father. And to go and if you read the story in Second Samuel nine, you will see the journey in which David uh, brings Mephibosheth to his table and also how much he does restore to him, giving him servants to care for him and uh, being a king to him and gracious to him because of his father, Jonathan. Remember, your worth and value were given to you at the cross. You were worth dying for, and you're definitely worth fighting for. Join with me next time as we continue to dig deeper into the life we have with King Jesus.